Welcome to the all new William B. Henry experience. Talking to business owners, local community leaders, and just overall cool people. This season is sponsored by the Billings Chamber of Commerce. Go to www.billingschamber.com. Welcome to season three of the William B. Experience, and I'm excited. We're back in the booth, and uh, got to give a big, big shout out to the Billings Chamber of Commerce for sponsoring season three. And I'm in the room with a special, special gentleman. I'm in the room with Mamet Casey, but the world refers to you and him as Mo. Yes. Yes, the <laughs> world, right? So uh, Mo is, I had to have you on the show, man, for a couple of reasons, just because you have a really, really interesting story. And I remember when I asked you, like, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> so, man, just, I, I want people to, you know, since this is a podcast and they can't see us, you know, tell the audience a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Billings. Because I think it's an interesting story. Yeah. Um, and I'll try to keep it as concise as possible. Um, born and raised in Baghdad, Iraq. Uh, grew up there, went to school there, uh, majored in English literature and linguistics. Um, left in sort of, you know, a, a, a historically known time, you know, right after the um, Iraq war in 2003, well, three years later. But um, yeah, growing up there most of the time, didn't do much traveling locally. You know, again, there were some other limitations in the country that put a stop to that. But uh, so my um, journey here was the first time, you know, to not only leave the country, but also be, get on my first airplane, <laughs> um, come to, you know, thousands of miles to the United States. It was a it was a neat opportunity, and then it, you know Billings became home uh, consequently after that. But uh, uh, started out with a um, an opportunity on a scholarship to come here and teach my native language, which is Arabic, um, and kind of share about my culture and region and religion and all that. And then you know, the idea was to head back and teach English in exchange and share with my local community what I learned about this region. Uh, but again, that all changed <laughs> um, after I got here. So fell in love. What can I say? So uh, yeah, uh, it's been fun. Um, uh, professionally speaking, most of my experience has been in the higher ed, um, but a uh, few short stints here and there, and master's degree in PR later, landed uh, me the position that I'm in right now. So. So, so speaking about that, you know, again, being here from Iraq and coming here after some fairly sensitive times, mm -hmm. right? How were you accepted into the community? I mean, did you did you face any, you know, uh, situations that were unique or what happened? Just talk about like literally landing and being yeah. accepted or not. Good, yeah, good question. Um, I consider myself to have been maybe both lucky and have had a really good support system when I arrived. Um, um, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but so my scholarship was initially to teach Arabic at Rocky Mountain College and both Rocky Mountain College and uh, MSU Billings. They have international programs where international students are, you know, they come to the university to seek degrees, but they're also provided some support uh, for their for the change in anything, whether it's lifestyle, academics, uh, culturally speaking. 
And so from that, I think I got a lot of support. Um, we were immediately in a network of other internationals that we all could relate to one another, even though we all spoke different languages and had different backgrounds. Um, I think being on a campus also has another advantage of connecting you to one another, because everyone is in this little community within another community. Um, and so, um, and that for me, I think established all of my network and connections to get, to get me going. But then the community as a whole, I recall my experience to be very nice and friendly. Um, I was, when I first arrived, I was still, I, I spent my first four years without a car. I was still in the walking culture. And everywhere I went, people would nod or, you know, say hi or say howdy or morning. Um, and that's, you know, to me, I wasn't accustomed to that big city. Um, in fact, you rarely look somebody in the eye. <laughs> and so it was nice to see this kind of change um, and atmosphere and culture. But I would also, I, you know, one of my requirements was also to get out in the community, talk about my upbringings and my culture and my religion and, you know, the aftermath of the war in Iraq and all that. And so I would, and I'm not going to lie, I would every now and then get, you know, some questionable questions at those presentations. But I think, um, luckily, I was trained enough by um, my supervisor at the time to really help people lower their defensive walls and feel comfortable asking these questions because at the end of the day, it might be an offensive, offensive question, but if they don't ask it, it's going to continue to linger there and might as well get it out in the open and address it. And, and I also didn't see the questions coming from a malicious intent. It was mostly from lack of knowledge, just wanting to know. Yeah, so I remember one of the first times I encountered you, it was actually one of my large uh, workshops, right? Mm -hmm. And you said something that, and you probably don't even know this, it, it stuck with me. And just talk about this a little bit because it might seem like a, a kind of bad experience, but I think it's a real experience. You mentioned that somebody was questioning you about you taking Americans' jobs and your comment back was, <laughs> can you teach Arabic? Mm -hmm. Do you remember saying that? Right, right. So, you know, I know that often happens, and we're talking about, like, with the labor shortage right now, mm -hmm. you know, we are having to pull not only from other uh, segments of the country, but also internationally, mm -hmm. right? Right. Are, what are, if you are hearing things, or what's your experience, what, what uh, kind of advice would you give people who are bringing in new people into their, their own communities, you bring in new cultures? What, what advice would you give individuals? Yeah, um, man, it, it, I mean, it, it can be a tough environment and it can be uh, challenging at times too when you hear these comments as well, but you kind of have to be um, careful in the sense of you address it, but you also don't address it in the way that you're um, coming off offensive or def defensive. Um, and so it takes a little bit of massaging, but at the same time, it does put a stop to it. Uh, and yes, I do recall, you know, being in some conversations with some folks where, you know, they weren't necessarily, for example, talking to me directly. You know, it's always when you're in the circle, people are like, oh, you're fine, Mo. I like you. you know, it's the others. <laughs> and so, and, you know, been in those conversations where it's like, oh, all the um, new incoming people, you know, taking the labor and all that from locals and this and that. When, again, I 
asked people and I said, okay, let's go through my career and see which job you would have been able to do that I potentially stole from you. And in many of the cases, it either um, I was able to or somebody with the help of uh, around me uh, helped me create a position or it was a position that was specifically seeking things that I had that you know, others didn't and couldn't provide. So advice for those that are coming in, I would say the one challenge, it might, and I've heard it, this from a lot of people that I've met that come here through the work environment, you know, their first connection is maybe their colleagues, their coworkers, their peers, their um, maybe supervisors, and that's how they get sort of embedded into the community. It's not like arriving to a campus where you can make your own friends. Um, and so the challenge there is being inquisitive enough and curious enough to try to get as far out of these circles as possible, but at the same time, um, you know, taking your time to learn the environment and learn the surroundings and also the other thing uh, on the other end of that conversation uh, for those employees who are not used to this new person um, being as kind and as curious as possible I think would help um, getting that person out of their shell slow, slowly um, but eventually definitely. Yeah and I, I think that's important because I think you know we sit in the I would say we sit kind of in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. And so getting people here and making them feel comfortable that they don't need becomes really, really important. Right. So I'm going to switch gears, but in the same topic, right? Because I know that you are doing a lot of work with the Billings Chamber of Commerce, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion uh, diver adver excuse me, Advisory Committee. Mm -hmm. So talk about some of the work that you're doing there, um, some of your experiences there, just, just overall in general, because I don't know if the community realizes that that advisory committee really exists. Right, yeah, I'm I'm super happy to be a part of that team, and I'm learning through this journey too. I mean, uh, you know, this is this is a learning opportunity for all of us. But it's it's a I would say it's also a group that's uh, still in the beginning stages of it, but we're doing a lot of uh, work that we're proud of. You know, we're uh, we've established, I think, a very strong, uh, well connected group, um, both in terms of the. Uh, what they're willing to put on the table and what they're bringing to the table, but also in terms of preparedness and commitment and drive towards this. Um, and then ultimately, we're just looking at as a whole, you know, how do we make it more um, um, inviting, welcoming, um, more basically productive at the work level in the work environment. Well, we hear a lot from employers saying workforce is a challenge for me. And, you could either recruit new talent or you can retrain your existing workforce. In either way, it, it, it's requiring work and it, it's not sometimes immediate, immediately available to you know hire the person or train them on the site to become available. So in some cases, and then we also have a lot of people that are going to retire pretty soon um, from this community. So in some cases, we have to be open to welcoming this new blood regardless of where they come from, but also making sure that they're um, they're committed and invested enough to stay because it's tough, you know, when uh, some of us, you know, like either if we grew up here or if we've made this home, we're here and we're going to do this work as long as it takes us. But some others who may not have this uh, attachment to the, this place yet might come here for a position and 
they don't find their experience or journey fulfilling, they could easily uproot themselves again. Um, and so that's where we'll have to navigate that challenge collectively together to make sure um, everyone is having a good experience. Yeah, so I think for me, the, the one big, so I serve on this committee with Mo. The one big thing that I think that I found from it is that the committee continues to be solution oriented and not pro and not trying to find more problems, right? right. Yeah. And so through that process, you know, I really have appreciated the opinions and the work that, you know, not only you, but the other committee members have put into this. So what do you see as the next steps for our community to continue to feel more um, inclusive, um, make people feel like they belong? What do you think some of the next steps we can do? And I know that's a big question, but, it you is, know, yeah. no, we have to, we, we, we got to start talking about it. Though, right, 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 yeah. I personally would love for us to, and I know this is difficult to say, you know, in today's world with the pandemic still going through and everything, but... I think the more opportunities we have that puts people out there in these gatherings, in these in-person experiences. I remember my presentations I used to give, whether it's you know student clubs or independent gatherings and clubs or church groups or uh, classrooms or you name it. I mean, I've gone everywhere, fundraisers. Uh, th there's just this energy in the room that everyone is there to learn from another uh, one another and then they contribute so much to each other and to everyone's growth and then that experience stays with you and it leads you to the next one and the next one i feel like our challenge nowadays between you know the uh, the cautions we have to take in place with the pandemic and then the the social media platform out there that everyone feels more comfortable expressing themselves there. It limits some of these um, uh, occasions to occur and to happen. And uh, if we're somehow able to bring that back and maximize that and even uh, capitalize on that even more and continue the momentum going, I think we'll have these much larger conversations and more open and honest and, 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 in a, in a free and uh, safe way too because again I, I was able to uh, and again not saying you know I'm great at it I was coached and trained and mentored but um, never was you know um, I, I would always tell people when I presented to places no question is going to offend me and just know that I'm sharing my own experience I'm not speaking on behalf of the entire country <laughs> back home um, Amen to that. Right? And <laughs> and just those two statements helped people get disarmed so much and feel so um, valued and also find value in what I was presenting without having to place the blame on one party or another or entity or another. I would just start by saying, here's my experience. Here's what happened. Here's what I saw. Here's what I felt. Here's what I you know, experienced. And what questions do you have? And go from there. So, so I think it's that it's that ability to be open in the space so that people feel comfortable enough to actually approach it in an uncomfortable environment, right? Yeah. I think I think we both kind of live that whole testament every day, right? right? Yeah. So, so I can't let you go without asking you, uh, what's that one thing that you live by that keeps you on this journey, right? What's that one thing? 
Man, I mean, I, I've listened to all of your episodes, and I I know this question, and I feel like you know I should know something, but there are so many mottos and sayings and things out there. But maybe I'll, I'll narrow it down to this one. Are you familiar with uh, there's a Charlie Chaplin saying that says, um, "What is it? A day without a laughter is a day wasted." Uh, and so I have kind of a motto that's. Uh, borrowing from this, and I think uh, it's mine. But if it's uh, if someone out there has that, please let me know because I don't want to infringe on other people's um, quotes and whatnot. But I basically tell myself every day I leave the house, um, whatever I'm doing today, especially if it's going to be a tough day or a long day or challenging day, find the humor in what you do. Um, I think that's what keeps me charged, hopeful, optimistic, uh, driven. Uh, looking forward to that, you know, bit of humor here and there, whether it's comedic or sarcastic, you know, it just keeps me um, energized and going. So for those of you all who have not had the experience of meeting Mo, I, I, I highly recommend that you get in front of this guy. He's a wealth of knowledge. He is here in our community and he's doing really, really big things. Sir, I want to thank you for being a part of the experience. I am privileged to be here. Thank you. Hey, William B. Experience signing out. You guys be good.